Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, terror targets. Hearts are aching around the world today uh, as all decent people share the anguish in New Zealand and among Muslim communities. A massacre in New Zealand targeting Muslims raises new questions about security, the rise of the extreme right, and how politicians debate key issues like immigration. Today we start with NDP leader Jagmeet Singh for his reaction on the attack, plus the upcoming budget and his call for a public inquiry into the SNC-Lavalin controversy. And then, muzzled? He sent in his majority to shut down that discussion without a debate and ensure that Canadians will never know the truth. The Liberals abruptly shut down the committee, looking into whether former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould was inappropriately pressured to make a deal with SNC-Lavalin. Why won't they let her come back and fill in the gaps? Is it a cover-up, like the opposition claims? Liberal MP Francis Drouin is here to tell us why he unexpectedly put an end to that meeting. Then, budget breakdown. We're thinking about what can we do to make sure that your family is successful? What can we do to make sure our whole country is successful? We're just two days away from the Liberals' last opportunity to woo voters. Does an economic slump give Justin Trudeau license to spend more, or will he try to rein in the deficit? And will the budget distract from the SNC-Lavalin affair? MPs are here to debate that. Plus, BNN Bloomberg's Amanda Lang joins us on the Scrum. Lots to come. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. The strongest possible condemnation of the ideology of the people who did this. You may have chosen us, but we utterly reject and condemn you. The horrific terror attack on Muslims in New Zealand has sparked a debate around the world and here in Canada on the dangers of white supremacist extremism. The alleged terrorist responsible for this massacre even cited the attack on the Quebec City Mosque two years ago that killed six Canadian Muslims as a kind of inspiration. Do Canadian politicians now have to do more to call out extremism on the far right on any side, especially in an election year when issues like immigration and debates about values become prominent? To talk about that and the upcoming budget on Tuesday, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh joins me just one day before he takes a seat in the House of Commons for the first time. Great to have you here, sir. Great to be here. Let me just begin with this terror attack in New Zealand, allegedly the work of a, of a white supremacist. Do we here in Canada have to do more and political leaders to call out extremist groups like this yes absolutely we know that there is there's brewing and, and growing uncertainty and fear and there's some folks that use that fear and uncertainty to point at people who are not responsible for the problems that our society is facing and when that happens it actually creates the the terrain it creates a landscape where hate can grow and we know that hate is like a fire once allowed to grow it spreads consuming everyone so we all have a responsibility particularly but what, in what particular the, place here like I'm, I'm intrigued because I in general I think what you're saying is a hundred percent true have you seen it in Canada where politicians are playing footsies with extremists or they they are willfully not calling it out in as loud a voice as they should. 
Yes, a couple of ways. One is when there's problems, there's legitimate political concerns, there's issues that we want to discuss, when we start blaming people that are not responsible. So when people start blaming and using inflammatory language around immigration and refugees, it creates a climate for hate and fear to grow. There can be legitimate discussions around what is the appropriate approach to take to our immigration system, but it can't, it can't include dog whistle politics that are particularly inflammatory against people who are already marginalized. And we've seen that happen before. That needs to be denounced. Anytime there's any sort of divisive politics that seeks to divide one group against another group, that's the type of politics we have to call out. Tomorrow, you're going to be in the House of Commons, and it will be a historic day. You will be the first visible minority leader of a federal party to take a seat in the House of Commons, ask a question. It's going to be a pretty historic moment. Have you ever felt threatened because of that moment? Well, a couple of things. One is, I feel the weight of that. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, I would never have thought that someone like me, someone looking like me, would ever run to become prime minister, would ever even have that opportunity. So I feel the weight and the responsibility of that. I, I know what that's about. And I know that there's a lot of people counting on me because there's far too many Canadians who feel like they don't belong, who feel like they don't matter. And I'm hoping that the same way I've been able to get to this point because people broke barriers for me, I'm hoping that maybe I can break some barriers for others. But we know we need to go further. There's a lot of fear and insecurity, which I touched on, that comes from economic insecurity. If we can address some of that, we can actually curtail some of the, the fear that's growing. The fear comes from a lack of hope for the future. And we can do so much better to help people out who are feeling fear. Uh, let's talk about that. You talk about the economy. We've got the budget. So you're going to yes. be day two sitting in the House and it's budget day. So it's going to be a, a pretty interesting moment. Um, the Liberals have floated the idea of national pharmacare. I know you've talked about it a lot. What are you looking for specifically on that from the Liberals? Uh, we're not looking for a U.S.-style patchwork system, which is what the Liberals are going to propose. We've heard that. We've seen them hinting at it. That is not good for Canadians. It doesn't help all Canadians. Millions of Canadians will not be protected by that type of plan. What we want is a universal, national, public, single-payer medication for all program, much like we've seen in other countries where it's effective in giving everyone the care they need, reduce costs, and something that just makes sense. All right. Do you, do, do you have any... At I mean, you've talked about that. Is there a price on that? Like Canadians saying, sounds good. What is it? What would that cost? Do you know? Well, what I would look at is it's a matter of priorities. It's something that we can do. And let's look at what this government has done. The Liberal government has given $14 billion away in the last fall economic statement to the wealthiest corporations with no strings attached. I would make different choices. I believe that a universal medication coverage for all is possible. We could cancel some of those type of initiatives that are not benefiting Canadians. And there's revenue that we're proposing in our budget ask. We're saying, we're saying there is offshore tax havens. There are CEO stock option loopholes. There's a number of things we can do to close uh, that, that revenue that we're losing and bring it into our country and invest in programs you like this. You know what, Jen, the, the liberal strategy has always been to tack left and eat your lunch. That's what they're trying to do. You know, prog when progressives vote liberals, you lose. How are you going to stop that? Well, what we're going to do is provide a real contrast. Right now, we see a scandal where there's political interference, where, where well-connected bosses of a, executives of a corporation have a direct line of access, can call up the prime minister or his office and get laws changed and can see attorney generals that are being pressured to change their position. Instead, we want to say to people, listen, we don't believe that's the way government should operate. We believe government should be on people's side, working for people, and putting forward their priorities. And that's what we've done. Okay, let me talk about SNC because the Justice Committee is actually meeting the same day as the budget, right, time. And we'll talk about that later in the program. Uh, and you've called for a public inquiry. How do you answer this fundamental question? With all the conflict, and we've covered it heavily, Jody Wilson-Raybould herself says nothing illegal was done. 
the prime minister never directed me, and the system is working. If that's all true, what's the big deal? Well, there's a number of things. First off, uh, Ms. Jody Wilson-Raybould says very clearly that she was pressured inappropriately. The fact that the uh, prime minister's office, two of his senior people were alleged to have said one, uh, there's not a solution in this matter that doesn't involve political interference, that's Mr. Butts, and another that I don't care about legalities, Ms. Telford. These two these two allegations are incendiary. They're explosive. The fact that high-ranking people in the Prime Minister's office don't care about political interference and don't care about, about legality shows that this is a Prime Minister and this is a Prime Minister's office that does not care but about the rule of Jody law. But if Jody Wilson-Raybould knew that as the Attorney General and never did anything about it because she believed it was not illegal, if it wasn't illegal then in the Attorney General's eyes, why is it a problem today? The problem is that a government should not be trying to subvert justice. Just because justice continued doesn't mean that the government is off the hook. The Prime Minister, Prime Minister Trudeau and his office tried to subvert the system. Well, I'm happy that the system was able to continue, but the intentions of this government, the fact that they don't care about everyday Canadians, but they care so much about the executives of a powerful corporation, one that also donated illegally to the same party. That's what's at stake here. Why is it that powerful executives that have donated illegally to a party have a fast track to the prime minister's office and can get laws changed and put pressure on attorney generals? All of that troubles Canadians. Uh, Mr. Singh, you said, you used the expression subversion of justice. In your view, you're a lawyer, is it a subversion of justice not to call Jody Wilson-Raybould back to the Justice Committee to testify as she wants to? What's your view on that? It's an obstruction, absolutely. I mean, we've said a very basic thing. Ms. Wilson-Raybould uh, provided incredible evidence that's credible, not self-serving and measured. We heard from Mr. Butts with incredulous, just simply unbelievable testimony, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Trudeau, who contradicts himself, not only the other witnesses. Uh, given all of that, Ms. Wilson-Raybould should have the chance to come to committee and provide her rebuttal to what's been put forward. Your first question and question period. First of all, are you nervous? Uh, you know, a little bit. It's, it's a big leagues, right? It's yeah. a big leagues. It's, this is anyone who's looked at politics yeah. in, in Canada, anyone who's looked at our, at our system, looks at this as like the, this is the pinnacle. And so Are you have you practiced? Do you know your first question yet? I do, I do. Oh, you know your first question? I do. Do you I've know what your focus will be? Can you tell us what your focus is going to be? I can tell you it's going to be some of the things that we've already talked right. about, things that we care about. You know, how do we make life better for Canadians, uh, housing affordability, uh, medication coverage for all, the environment, this general topic of area you'll, you'll hear me focus on. Jagmi Singh, good luck tomorrow. We'll be watching closely. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is the leader of the NDP. Coming up, budget countdown. As we're just talking about, the fiscal forecast looks dim just days ahead of the federal budget. MPs are up next to debate how the government can do battle against the outlook and more fallout from the massacre in New Zealand. Stay right here with Question Period. In our budget this year, that's what we're going to be thinking about. How do we help Canadians to take time off? How do we ensure that they can continue to live their life while they're taking time off? And how do they pay for their training? So on Tuesday, the finance minister will table not only the election year budget, but given the controversy still swirling around the SNC-Lavalin affair, the Justice Committee actually meets the same day as the budget will be tabled, it's probably also a bit of a political lifeline. Morneau has already said the budget will focus on things like senior skills training, helping millennials buy homes, and the high cost of pharmaceuticals. But what does it all mean? Does that mean a full national pharma care plan will come out, bigger deficits? Let's bring in MPs to find out. 
Jennifer O'Connell is a parliamentary secretary to the finance minister. Pierre Polyevre is the conservative finance critic. And Tracy Ramsey is an NDP MP from Ontario. She joins us from Windsor. Great to have all of you here. Jennifer O'Connell, I've got to start with you. Uh, National Pharmacare Plan, is it coming? Well, I think what we can see is the uh, Advisory Council recently released uh, their first report. And I think it's safe to say that this is something we've committed to in terms of Canadians having the choice between putting food on their table or buying medication. So it's something that we feel very strongly about. We are focused on getting this right. And So are we going to see, I mean, I know you can't say, but it doesn't sound like you're committed. Is there going to be a rollout of a national pharmacare plan and money in the budget allocated for that? I think you're going to see uh, our commitment follow through in terms of making sure that every Canadian has access to pharmacare and doesn't have to choose between food and medications. Uh, Mr. Pagliab, what are you looking for in the budget? Well, I think that the Prime Minister will pull uh, some tricks out of uh, the old uh, uh, Kathleen Wynne uh, uh, trick book, when that, of course, is when you're in a scandal spend like crazy before the election, distract from it, and then, of course, uh, if you're re-elected, raise taxes after the election to pay for it. Uh, that is the, the Gerald Butts, Kathleen Wynne trick, and I think that you'll see an attempt at that. Uh, the floodgates will open, and the money will just pour out in all directions uh, in order to drown out the SNC-Lavalin scandal and distract Canadians with their own money. All right, Tr Tracy Ramsey. I mean, I, so I can see the lines are already drawn mm -hmm. here. Tracy Ramsey, uh, one issue, uh, and we had Mr. Singh on the program, is National Pharmacare. Uh, the NDP's calling for that. What are you looking for? I think what we're going to see ultimately is a, a big attempt by the Liberal government to look at the budget and not look at what's happening at the Justice Committee that day. Uh, of course, they shut down debate this week in a, a very uh, you know stunning move, I think, to a lot of Canadians. And if they think they're going to change the channel with a uh, you know wishy-washy pharmacare that isn't fully what is being called for, or a lot of things that will be promised in the budget that will happen after the next election in 2020, um, you know, I don't think Canadians are going to be fooled by the fact that they're trying in an election year to gather votes. And for us in the NDP, if they come forward with this full pharmacare plan, we will welcome it. But Liberals have promised this for many, many years and many, many budgets, and we still don't have it after their four-year mandate. Um, by the way, I should just say, coming up next, we will talk to Francis Trouin, who moved the motion to uh, adjourn that justice committee about SNC-Lavalin, so we'll drill down on that. But let me get back to you, Jennifer O'Connell. The first budget that your government passed was supposed to have modest deficits of $10 billion. That's, what you, that's modest, I guess, to your government. It's now almost triple that. There's a trust deficit now for your government. Will your government have a plan to bring back balanced budgets, yes or no? Well, I think what Canadians chose in the last election was ensuring that we were making the right investments. Our focus was growth. The Conservatives with Stephen Harper, they didn't focus on growth, and that's why we saw the worst growth since the Great Depression. We're making the right kinds of investments, but responsibly. But will there be a plan to get back to balance? Well, you've seen in our, whether it's the fall economic statement and in previous budgets, you've seen our plan. We still have one of the best balance sheets in the G7, and our commitment for the growth of GDP ratio to be on a downward track. Pierre Bolliere, there, there, I think the, according to the parliamentary budget officer, the books won't be in balance till 2040. 
at this point. Does that concern you? Trudeau's uh, out-of-control spending, if it continues, will lead to massive tax increases that will cost Canadians a fortune. Of course, you'll keep that secret until after the election, so you get a few dollars before the election as a voter, but big tax increases after it. Let me bring in Tracy Ramsey. I I would be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up this horrific massacre in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Muslims were explicitly targeted by allegedly a white supremacist. Two years ago in Canada, we frankly had a very similar thing. Six people were killed in a mosque in Quebec. Do we, do you as politicians, all of you, need to do more to call out this kind, I I call it terrorism, white supremacist terrorism? Absolutely, we do. We have a responsibility and we should be calling it out. When politicians are taking pictures with people from news outlets or people that are known to be spreading this hate on the internet, that's a problem. And every party should be addressing this. There is no political party in Canada who should stand by and watch uh, people who are part of that party try to divide Canadians. Do you have an example? Do you have a specific example? Of course, of course. We have uh, Andrew Scheer, who was on the Hill uh, in a rally next to Faith Goldie. Faith Goldie is known to be someone who spreads this type of hate, and it needs to be called out. And the Conservative Party of Canada needs to call it out. And they need to end uh, any platform for this type of hate in our country. Because we saw uh, the the Canadian uh, mosque shooting being referenced by this horrific uh, killer down in New Zealand. So this is a global issue, and politicians have a responsibility to call it out whenever they see it. Uh, Mr. Polyeva, uh, Andrew Scheer tweeted out about this tragedy. He didn't even mention the word Muslim. He didn't mention the word mosque. You've got the other party saying that your leader went on Parliament Hill. There was a rally called United We Roll. Some very legitimate concerns there from truckers, but other groups, far right groups, had attached themselves there. Does your party need to do more to call, and your leader to call out those kind of extremist right wing groups and have a more responsible debate about fundamental issues? like immigration. Well, for, first, let me address the, uh, the terrorist attack in New Zealand. Uh, this is an act of a- hate. It is an, an evil act. And Canadians stand with Muslims all around the world in grieving the terrible loss that resulted from it. Um, and uh, in particular, you, know, you want to talk about particularly Andrew Scheer and our, and our party. Um, Andrew Scheer showed up at a rally in favor of pipelines. Now, if the new standard is that every politician will be held accountable for 100%. If I could finish, if I could finish. He knows well uh, who Faith Goldie is, and that is not acceptable. Okay, hang on. Go ahead, go ahead, Ms. Pollard. So, if the new standard is that a politician has to be responsible for the hundreds of people or even thousands of people that attend every single public event, then that is going to mean uh, a very different approach but to sir, how we treat people. But to be, in, but, in but all he, fairness, he, has, he could he have has. simply said, if you're here for the carbon price protest, right. carb, go for it. But I'm going to explicitly call out people who were, it was in the news that there was some very controversial extremist group that had attached themselves to that group. Why not call them out? We, now, we in the wake of this, does that need to happen? We, we always call out uh, racism. Ford, we always, call, we always call out racism. We always oppose any form of hatred. And we absolutely condemn this terrorist attack and the hatred that motivated it. Okay, here uh, you need to call don't. out your colleagues. You need to call out your colleagues. When your colleagues are, are taking pictures with these people, when they're at your conventions, they are known to be involved in spreading this type of hate. Exactly. And this is not free speech. This is hate speech. And Pierre, if you truly believe that, and I hope that you do, then I hope you will take that back to your caucus and spread that amongst your colleagues and say that it's unacceptable. Exactly. Uh, I, I, wanna, I just want to be very clear. 
that no uh, one's no. I don't want anybody well, to. to, I, I, think to you, I think you have gone. Uh, I think you know. I appreciate that my friends are trying to play politics with this yeah. terrible tragedy. I'm not playing and politics. I think, it's a, I think it really is unfortunate. I know, and that's serious. precisely why both liberals and New Democrats should avoid using this trage- tragedy, this terrible tragedy that happened in New Zealand, to score political points at home. Uh, and and by try to, trying, to to trying to draw those kinds of linkages, by trying to draw those kinds of linkages, I think is completely inappropriate. We should be united today and standing together against terrorism, against hatred, against racism, and we should not, and we should not, and we should not be trying to score political points by by, by trying to make linkages between a group of people who are against, who are in favor of pipelines and and a terrorist attack in New Zealand. I gotta leave it here. There's lots of debate. I think we can say this. We all share the deep concern about that tragedy that has unfolded in New Zealand. I thank all of you for coming up. Obviously, the House is back on Monday. Lots of debates. But coming up, SNC cover-up. The MPs referred to it. Opposition has been calling foul after Liberals abruptly shut down the committee examining the SNC-Lavalin affair. Will Canadians ever get to hear from Jody Wilson-Raybould again? Liberal MP Francis Drouin, the MP who closed down that committee joins us next. We'll try to get some answers there. Stay right here with Question Period. What a shame. What a shame. Cover up. Mr. Barrett. Cover up. No, it's a cover up. I'm voting against Mr. Cooper. I'm voting against this cover up. So a chaotic end to the Justice Committee after the Liberals blocked an attempt to bring Jody Wilson-Raybould to testify a second time. Now, she's explicitly said she wants to come back to talk about the period of time after she was demoted to Veterans Affairs Minister, a period of time she has not been free to speak about. Now, the committee's next meeting will be on, you guessed it, Budget Day, and it will be closed door. And Wilson-Raybould is not invited to speak, but... If there was nothing inappropriate done, as the Prime Minister has insisted, why the refusal to have her come back? Let's find out. Joining me now is Liberal MP Francis Drouin, the man whose motion at the Justice Committee actually suddenly adjourned that meeting. Good to have you here. Great to be here. She wants to come back. Mm -hmm. She's written a letter. She wants to speak of the time between when she was demoted from uh, Justice Minister to the time she became the Veterans Affairs Minister. She explicitly says she believes there's material evidence there that Canadians need to hear. Why not invite her back to the committee? Well, first off, Evan, I just want to express my thoughts and prayers for what happened on Friday. I think it's awful and the attacks that happened in, in New Zealand, and I want to express my, my thoughts uh, for the families that will be affected. Um, but to get back on your issue, I think it's important for Canadians to understand that what the Prime Minister has done is he's lifted cabinet confidentiality and solicitor-client privileges um, for the time that the Attorney General was the Attorney General. That's something that is unprecedented in Canada. I mean, he's done that for a current sitting Member of Parliament and a current sitting Attorney General. So I think the Prime Minister has showed great transparency on this issue. But hold on, okay, but, but so yeah. why not, if, if that's the case, if you're going to pat him on the back for that, the Prime Minister has spoken about the period of time when she was the Veterans Affairs Minister. He made a whole speech about what happened when they had their meetings. Gerald Butts, his former Principal Secretary, he spoke explicitly about that period of time. She does not have a waiver to speak about that time. I'll ask you again, why not give her a waiver of the confidentiality and solicitor-client privilege to speak about that time? She's asked to speak about it. Let's be transparent. Why not bring her back? Well, I think it's important to put things in context again. The Prime Minister has expressed his wishes for the Justice Committee to do its work. And 
the work that they will do is look at the Shawcross Doctrine, they will look at the SNC leveling issue, and they also look at the relationship between the Attorney General and Cabinet. No, but sir, they, those, yeah. those are answers to questions I haven't asked. Let's just yeah. focus on the question I'm asking. Yeah. Why not bring her back if there's nothing to hide, as the Prime Minister has insisted, there's nothing inappropriate, great. She's going to say something, put an end to this. Mm -hmm. If there is, though, Canadians need to know. Your motion adjourned that committee. She wants to come back. I'm just going to, i got to insist, why not let her come back to justice, waive that, um, give her a waiver on solicitor-client privilege and cabinet confidentiality, let her speak. And it's, and Evan, it's been waived by the Prime Minister. Not He's for that waived, period, though, sir. But you the client-solicitor client privilege only applies for the Attorney General. It doesn't apply for other ministers. And cabinet confidentiality has been lifted for that time. If a witness says they have material evidence to get to the truth and your folks are muzzling that person, how do you justify that? How do you look in the camera and say to Canadians, we don't need to hear from her even though she wants to speak? What is it? Well, Mrs. Wilson-Raybould had the opportunity to speak for 40 minutes in front of committee, was asked three, three hours of questioning by all committee members. At some point, the conversation needs to happen with regards to, with the, with the relationship between the Attorney General and the Minister of Justice should be split. And I think the Prime Minister has recognized that, and we have to let the Justice so Committee you're do saying its that work. It's, okay, so you're now saying that you'll split that role. Why split it? Is it because your government abused the line? I mean, this is what I'm trying to say. Are you yeah. fixing a problem that your government created? Is that an admission? Yeah, we did abuse the, the line between the Attorney General and the Minister of Justice. Because of our inclinations to politically interfere, we should split it. Is that what you're saying? Well, again, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I will let the Justice Committee do its work on whether or not that should be done and whether or not those conversations could okay, happen. But, but you are a lawyer. But you, did, you put the motion to adjourn the committee. She is a lawyer. She was mm -hmm. the former Attorney General. She believes she needs a waiver from the Prime Minister to mm -hmm. speak about that period of time. Otherwise, she can't speak about it. Yeah. She risks being disbarred. That's her word as a lawyer. Why won't you listen to her and, and, and pressure your own government to give her a waiver just so we know? And if there's nothing there, great, let's move on. But if there is something there, it's the truth and Canadians have the right to know. Don't you think that's a fair assessment? Well, I think the Prime Minister has already lifted Klein Cabinet confidentiality for the time that the Attorney General was in the Attorney General's role. And that's all the testimony that we've heard at committee predates January 14th. No, not all the testimony, with all due respect. Gerald Ex Butts, Gerald Butts, Michael Warnock, and then the Prime Minister afterwards all spoke explicitly about the period of time after that. You know who the only person that hasn't been able to speak about that? Jody Wilson-Raybould. Does that strike you as fair? The only testimony that uh, Mr. Butts gave was after January 14th about the talk with Mr. Trudeau and the cabinet shuffle. That's the only testimony that Mr. Butts gave I at, testimo actually, no, at no, testimony. That, no, so I think it's sorry, important. I think respect, it's important. He said, he said, Jody, he talked about Jody Wilson-Raybould refusing to take the indigenous services. He spoke explicitly about issues after she was told she was demoted. She has never been able to speak about that. Why does he get a chance to speak publicly to Canadians about that period of time and she doesn't? I think the Prime Minister is being very fair and very transparent by lifting cabinet confidentiality. I don't recall Prime Minister Harper or any previous Prime Ministers lifting that cabinet confidentiality when a sitting government is governing. Is, so your contention is we should praise Justin Trudeau for raising confidentiality but stopping at the moment she was demoted? Is that actually the, the assertion here? I think we should let the Justice Committee do its work. The Ethics Commissioner. I think so too. You're the guy yeah. that put the motion to adjourn it. Why didn't you let it do the work? Well, 
again, it's a principle of having right. the committees operate on a, on, a, on a business. And I mean, if I sit on two committees and I have the opposition send a letter less than 24 hours, a, a, a decision was made. The function, of, the function of committees is but not sir, going to properly It's a matter of principle, not process. I think that's what Jordy Wilson-Rabel was saying. Fair? It's a matter of process. It's a matter of principles for, for the correct functioning right. of committees. Okay, so yep. I got last question. Any chance Jody Wilson-Raybould gets an invitation back to speak at committee? You'll have to speak to Justice Committee members. I'm not going to be there. Uh, Mr. Durrell, thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. All right, coming up, well, the Justice Committee will be meeting behind closed doors on Tuesday. The federal budget, the election year edition, will be tabled the same day. Timing is everything, I guess. But what will be in the budget? National Pharmacare, more deficits. The scrum is next. Our special guest, BNN Bloomberg anchor, Amanda Lang. Stay right here with Question Period. Well, amidst the controversy over SNC-Lavalin, the federal government will table its new budget on Tuesday. And in an election year, its importance as a political tool cannot be overestimated. What should you expect? Is the government banking on the budget to move on from the SNC-Lavalin affair? Will this be a big spending by your vote budget? Well, let's find out. The scrum is here. Michelle Zilio is a reporter with the Globe and Mail. Joyce Napier, of course, is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator and has now trademarked his wave. And our special guest today is BNN Bloomberg anchor, our good friend Amanda Lang. Great to see everybody. Uh, Amanda, let me start with you. You watch this stuff closely, given the uncertain economic forecast for later this year. What are you expecting to see in this Morno budget? So the most interesting thing about this budget, of course, is that uh, the revenues will be higher than expected. So the government will actually have more room to spend in what we already expected to be a big spending document. Uh, so this whole question about whether they're going to be fiscally prudent and bring in the deficit, forget about it. They're going to spend the extra cash. They may keep their deficit targets in line. So they're still going to track to $20 billion, but spend 5 or $6 billion more. Uh, the question, of course, then becomes, what do they spend it on? And I think, you know, you nailed it. This is a, a political budget. It's the budget in the middle of a scandal. It'll be a feel-good document, right? Don't look for anything too technical here. Michelle, I wonder if they tack left. I mean, Jagmeet Singh has been pounding away at National Pharmacare. When liberals win, they eat the NDP vote. Is National Pharmacare something you're looking for? Oh, definitely. And I think Canadians will be looking for it as well, especially if the NDP is going to be putting it on the radar. The liberals can kind of steal a bit of that vote. Also, on that more left-leaning side of things, maybe some skills development for older workers um, and even appealing to the seniors' population, trying to find ways to help them invest their retirement money in a different way. So look for those goodie bag items that are targeting large portions of the voting population. Yeah, seniors vote, Joyce. Also, millennials, too, we're looking for housing. What Absolutely. are you looking for? Well, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure about pharmacare. There will be a nod, of course, to pharmacare. They are studying it, and they've been studying it for a year. Are they ready for to put this in a budget with all the details that people are going to want to see? I don't think so. They still have a lot of talking to do with the provinces. What is interesting, however, to look at this budget is what are they going to keep in the budget? What are they saving for their platform? Because this is an election budget. It will be a goodie budget for everybody. And I agree with Amanda. Feel good budget. Everybody's going to get a little bit of everything, even millennials who, you know, cannot get into this um, housing market. They will be able to probably with certain programs that the government will put in place. But be careful because, you know, that could just ride the prices of houses 
higher. Yeah, and Craig, uh, Joyce is right. Mm -hmm. the, uh, a budget and election year is promising now, but they got to keep something for the campaign, elect us, and then what are you expecting well, to see? Well, I think they're hoping to go a long way with PharmaCare, but I, I think it'll be a patchwork plan. It won't be anything particular. I mean, this is not going to be Tommy Douglas Medicare, folks. Let's not let them try okay. to persuade you of that. Uh, <laughs> one advantage the liberals have is that the global economy is going into a slowdown of which how serious we're not sure yet but it could be quite bad and that means they'll be able to do old-fashioned uh, uh, you know uh, spending. spending but they'll call it surplus stimulus. they'll call it stimulus instead stimulus. of doing you know the, the the old way of pork barrel politics they'll disgise it as stimulus. Yeah, that's the, and that'll that, give that, them an excuse to do it. That's the euphemism. I know you want to jump in there uh, now, Amanda. I mean, it's just, uh, Craig's just nailed it. I mean, they, they, they're in this funny position now where before the economy was never been stronger and they could take credit for that. So we don't have to worry about the deficit to now the economy's weakening. So we better stimulate. So no matter how you slice it, if you want to be critical, they can make a case for spending no matter what. I want to just uh, drill into that point made about millennials and housing. You can actually introduce policies that are very dangerous, right? They can be stimulative to some and in the short term, uh, trying to get millennials into homes they can't afford. It ain't good. Uh, it's not good in the long term, but it could actually have disastrous near-term consequences if we find ourselves with a slowing economy and rates that naturally have to rise for one reason and the other, like inflation. Remember inflation? It does happen from time to time. So we got to be a little careful about what policies we get in the, you know, the vote-getting policies that end up staying with us and really hurting. Yeah, the, the inflation genie's been in the bottle for a long time, but it doesn't mean the inflation genie's gone. Uh, what else are you looking for? Because the Liberals have said our stimulus in the past and the deficits, which we all talk about and they've been vulnerable on, have worked, and they point to... A statistic that actually probably got lost in the SNC-Lavalin uh, scandal, that over 800,000 Canadians were lifted out of poverty since their child yep. benefit uh, um, was introduced. Michelle, they like that. Does that... Is that the kind of thing that could justify bigger deficits? Well, I don't know. We have to see how the Conservatives, you know, play all of this. They played this in the last election, like they're going to run on deficits. And then the Liberals said, well, we will get to balance by the time we get to 2019. Well, we're in 2019 now. Yeah. There's no plan to get to balance. And I think the Conservatives are going to make, make hay of this. They're going to have a great day on Tuesday going after that budget number and basically, you know, aligning their platform there. You know, we all care about the deficit and we should care about the deficit. But if voters see that politicians are rolling out the barrels of money, they could care less about the deficit. They'll worry about the I deficit agree. later. Yeah. That's, been the, that's been the history for a century. And, well, it's, and it's not a deficit that's out of control. I mean, you know, the famous debt-to-GDP ratio is still controllable. I'm going to look at the skills training um, proposal that they have because the hints have been you know pretty obvious from the finance department that they're looking at that and skills training has been something that's been in many budgets and and I, I don't know how effective it is but I think that will be interesting to see what they how they how they couch this and how they present it all right uh, Amanda one last thing I, I'm intrigued how Bill Morneau is now um perceived. Here's a guy that has had a lot of trouble. He's had some pretty big wins, you know, extending CPP. There's been, you know, the child benefit, but he's been involved in a lot of political messes. Uh, does he have a credibility problem on deficits? What's the perception as he becomes, he's not widely known as the best messenger, he now becomes the messenger for the most important political document the Liberals have. What's his credibility like? 
I mean, he's, he has credibility in the sense that uh, he's, never, uh, he's never said anything that didn't come to pass, particularly uh, the government, of course, can point to a very strong economy. And as you say, thousands of people lifted out of poverty. Uh, where he has some issues is the whole attacking the rich, quote unquote, uh, because some of the changes he made around small business taxation, that still rankles. As you know, Evan, there are people who could still carry pitchforks for that subject, uh, and many of them don't feel rich. Uh, so I would say the other things to look for in this budget will be sprinklings of things like more support for dairy farmers, more subsidies for steel companies, um, and this whole education for life thing, this skill training for life uh, component that should help people feel better, how it works out in the long term, who knows. All right. Well, there's going to be lots to watch for. It's a, it's a huge policy document. It's also a really important political document. Uh, Amanda Lang, great to have you on the program. That is BNN Bloomberg's Thanks. Amanda Lang. Uh, the rest of the scrum is going to stick around. The political fallout, not only from this horrific massacre in New Zealand, but Jagmeet Singh makes his debut in the House of Commons, and there's the ongoing SNC-Lavalin affair. Where does it all go? The scrum is back. Our special guest coming up is Shachi Curl from the Angus Reid Institute. Stay right here. We'll be back with more Question Period. Attacking innocent people during prayers is appalling. We condemn in the strongest terms the act of terrorism that took place. The mass murder, the terrorist attack, words almost defy the scope of the massacre in New Zealand where Muslims worshipping at two mosques were gunned down. The alleged shooter citing the horrific mosque attack two years ago in Quebec which killed six Canadians as an inspiration. Do politicians have to do more in Canada, around the world, to call out the threat of white supremacist extremists? To talk about that and lots more, the Scrum is back. Michelle Zilio is back. So is Joyce Napier, Craig Oliver, and our special guest this round is Shachi Curl, the executive director of the Angus Reid Institute. She is in Vancouver. Uh, Shachi, let me start with you. Um, there's been a rise of far-right anti-immigration rhetoric around the world, often, as was in the case in the mosque shooting in Quebec City and in New Zealand, targeting Muslims. You've done a lot of work on this. Are these kind of hate sentiments also part of the Canadian political landscape as well? Well, it's starting to become part of the Canadian political landscape, isn't it? When you've got uh, the People's Party and Maxime Bernier taking very hard shots at the Muslim community in this country, uh, talking about the threat of Sharia law. Let's talk about the actual threats here. In fact, nearly half of Canadians, according to our polling, see the threat of white nationalist radicalization, the radicalization of people at home into that uh, kind of terror thought as a serious threat. But that isn't what we're hearing the politicians talking about. Often they are condemning anti-Islamic views, they are condemning Islamophobia, and they need to be doing that because at the same time, you do find that four to one Canadians see the role of uh, the Islamic uh, of is the Islamic religion of Islam as something that is ben uh, damaging. Sorry, uh, damaging Canadian society, not benefiting it. So what are we seeing? On one hand, we're still seeing a lot of suspicion towards the Muslim community. 
identity. At the same time, we're seeing a rise of radical white nationalism that people are growing uh, increasingly alive to. We need to see leadership from our politicians right now and find them calling them out, which isn't what we're hearing enough well, Andrew of. Shearer, Andrew Shear had a chance to do that last week with a conspiratorial alt-right kind of guy shouting at him from a town hall he was at. Uh, Shearer did not uh, upbraid him or interrupt him uh, or comment strongly against it. In fact, later, to give him credit, he said that uh, he hadn't heard it. But I think he has to be very careful, especially if you consider the history of the Conservatives in the last campaign, uh, which I think race issues uh, probably as much as anything cost them that campaign. If they don't step up on this and, and be stronger, particularly the Conservatives, then it allows you know Canadians on, on Facebook and the Yellow Vest Canada Facebook group we're seeing threats against mosques, threats against Muslims, and it allows for them to grab onto something. So the more the, the more that Mr. Scheer does not come out with a you know strong statement on this, and we saw him issue a stronger statement on Friday than his original tweet, uh, it just leaves more opportunity for this kind of uh, attitude to develop in Canada. Shachi, what, what can, from a political point of view, there have been parties in Europe, all around the world, frankly, that look at this stuff and they weaponize it. They see it as a path to victory. Is that a situation that you're concerned about or you're seeing in Canada? Well, I, it is. it feels like it is increasingly becoming part of the Canadian political narrative. And, you know, the most responsible thing that politicians, frankly, across the spectrum, this isn't just about Andrew Scheer, this is also about the, the leaders on the left being able to separate out very legitimate policy conversations about immigration. What skill set? How many? Where should they go? What kind of skill sets and qualifications are we looking for? Versus the role of religion in public life. Let's be very clear. This, this was about people who were punished, who, who were killed for practicing their faith in a free, a pluralistic society. This is the rhetoric that we cannot allow to be conflated and fed. Immigration, religion, it all gets melded together. That's what's dangerous. We should also mention the President of the United States. Yes. We can't let that go by here. Uh, the conspirator-in-chief, talk about dog whistling. He's anti-Muslim, uh, without a doubt. Uh, he's uh, purely racist, probably anti-Semitic, although he, he had to deny that a number of times. He refused to condemn the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, the, a, a lot of the right-wing extremists in the United States, the alt-right, feed off him. He continues to feed them. And we have an ideological free trade between Canada and the United States. A lot of that is encouraging people who find themselves on the uh, social media in Canada together with Americans. And it emboldens people. That's, the, mm -hmm. that's the, the problem, is that if the leaders start speaking that way, then people think it's legitimate. But you know, it's the New Zealand Prime Minister who was the first and the fastest leader to call this a terrorist attack. And other leaders, even the mild ones, even the nice ones, have a hard time saying that. Any attack on civilians, on unarmed civilians, no matter what religion yeah. they are, is a terrorist attack. But even we have a hard time saying that. And why do we? And we should ask that question. Is it because the victims are Muslims that we have a hard time saying that this is terrorism because this is terrorism? And one thing uh, I point out on the Canadian side before we go is, uh, to change topics here, Maxime Bernier, in the immediate hours, you know, almost 24 hours after the attack, we had not heard anything from him. And that's telling in and itself. 
Yeah, and, and Shasha mentioned that on the right. Of course, in Britain and the UK, it's the other side. The far, the left wing, the Labour Party, is embroiled in a controversy over anti-Semitism. So all sides of the political spectrum are watching us. Uh, before we go, i got to get at the budget. It's coming on Tuesday, but so will the Justice Committee. They are meeting Shachi on Tuesday. Can... Where's the polling on this SNC-Lavalin scandal? We haven't heard from Jody Wilson-Raybould. It appears that the Liberals don't seem to want to ask her back so she can speak again. The Liberals are hoping they can change the channel on this. It's hurting them in polls that we've seen. What are you seeing? Can they, can they put this behind them with a budget? Well, they need to be able to hit reset. And, you know, Evan, we've talked about the principle of things and the politics of things. So the principle of things obviously speaks to more transparency. Uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould should be able to come back and say what she has to say and rebut uh, the comments of Mr. Butts and Mr. Trudeau. The politics of it is, is the Liberals need to make this stop. And they also need to start thinking about pivoting uh, the Liberal brand from the man, Justin Trudeau, to maybe the mission in terms of policies and better articulate what they want to do right. for Canadians. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of economic anxiety out there right now. We're, we're going to see numbers coming out very soon that show Canadians don't think this is a good time to be making big ticket purchases. They're worried about affordability. They're worried about mm -hmm. jobs. They're worried about unemployment. These are the things that the Liberals need to be able to tap into. The budget offers an opportunity to do that. Let's see if they're able to capitalize. Does, oh, okay, real last word. Does this SNC scan go away. I don't think it can go away without hearing from Jody Wilson-Raybould. What's your thought? My thoughts are I don't think we're going to be hearing from her at the Justice Committee anytime soon. The Liberals have made it very clear yeah. they're going behind closed doors this week to, to, to so-called debate it, even though it won't be public. Maybe she'll come up at a different committee. Maybe she'll come up at the Senate. Yeah. But I don't think it's the end of it. But I think I, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, call me skeptical, but if Jody Wilson-Raybould has something to say and we are all dying to hear it, I think she can say it. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't have to be in front of the committee. There are plenty of other places, news conferences or in the House of Commons, where she has the privilege to yeah. get up on a point of, of privilege and to say what she has to say because we all want to hear it. So is there a political game being played here? And I think asking the question is answering it. To be brutal about it, Wilson-Raybould also has to decide how long she wants to keep Justin Trudeau twisting in the wind, uh, how long she wants to continue this going uh, with a party that she says she wants to run for with and win again, uh, undermining the leader all at the same time. I think she has to make some tough choices she's about that. She's still liberal. Yeah, she still says she wants to run as a liberal, and she will. All right, got to leave it there. Thanks so much, uh, Michelle. Joyce, Craig, Shachi Curl in Vancouver. Thanks to all of you for watching as well. We have lots more coverage on CTV News on the budget all day on Tuesday. But before we go, as we all know, we've all been discussing, it's been a very difficult week. All of us here at CTV News are thinking about the people not only in New Zealand, but not to be forgotten, those 18 Canadian families who lost their loved ones in the shocking plane crash in Ethiopia. We're thinking of you. So for all our political differences, which we relish here on Question Period, in the end, we're all human beings. We've got to stand beside each other, especially in these kind of moments. I know you all are. Thanks for watching. We'll be back here in seven short days.